You're listening to the Money Shop Podcast, episode number 18. Today we are talking about robo-funds, which doesn't mean robocop managing your money. Let's figure out what it does mean, though. You're listening to the Money Shop Podcast with your host, Damien Fogg, making personal finance and investing easy to understand, less intimidating, and even bordering on fun. So today I wanted to talk to you about robo-funds. Now, if you haven't heard of them before, basically it is an online investment platform where you go in, you mash in a bunch of different answers to questions that they ask you. They then figure out what kind of risk category you fall into and they create a portfolio for you. So it's all done online by some computer algorithm somewhere. And because of that, it's usually much lower cost. And the way that they invest is in something called ETFs, which are exchange traded funds, which tend to be the lower cost version of access to different equities and assets and all that shit. So the whole thing is all about removing the human element of investing, which, you know, you could argue is a good or a bad thing, but the whole purpose is to make it much easier for people to get involved in, much easier to invest in, and more importantly, I guess, lower the costs of it. Now, the good thing about that is because there is less moving parts and less humans involved, they tend to have very low initial investments. So there's a whole bunch of them out there. In fact, let me just rattle off a few of them. The ones that have been around for at least a little bit of time are Nutmeg. I think they were one of the first, if not the first, robo fund in the UK. There's Money Farm. There's Wealthify. There's Scalable Capital. I think Hargreaves Lansdowne actually have their own balanced growth portfolio that you can just invest in. So there are a few of them out there and there's quite a lot popping up each quarter because it is kind of a hot market at the moment. But I have had a few people in the Facebook group and people getting in touch with me direct and just asking, is this actually a good thing to be getting involved in? Are they good investments? Are they good share selections or asset allocations? All that sort of stuff. So I just thought, Fuck it, may as well have a chat about it and see what we can come up with. Now, the way they generally work, they are all a little bit different. They all have their own little quirks. But generally speaking, what you'll do is you'll sign up for it. And the first part is they'll ask you a series of questions. Now, some of them go into quite a lot of detail. Others don't really. But generally speaking, they're going to be asking you about shit like your age, attitude to risk, whether or not you're a sophisticated investor random sorts of questions all around that. And the biggest part for them to try and figure out is what your attitude to risk is. Now, once they've established that or their computer has come up with enough of an answer, they will generally put you into different categories of whatever funds that they have. So let's just take, say, Nutmeg, for example. Nutmeg has a bunch of different portfolios and I don't think they're inventively named. I think it's just literally portfolio one, two, three, four, whatever. But they will decide on the basis of the answers you've given them, which portfolio you would fall into. If you then invest in it, you basically give them a pound, 10 pounds, 100 pounds, 100,000, whatever it might be. You invest that money into that fund. And that fund is then split across a number of different assets in different percentage allocations 
dictated by whatever your answers were. So it is, to be fair, pretty much what I talk about in my book. There are a whole bunch of different assets out there. And depending on your attitude to risk, where you are right now, how long you've got left before you need the money, how much you can top up as you go, all different shit like that, that will dictate where you're best off putting your money. So these things do a very similar job. And I guess that's the whole point. They do what good financial advisors have been doing for fucking years. They just figure out where your money should go and how much should go in each different section. So it's not rocket science, really. It's just an automated version of it. Now, it seems like it's quite fancy pants for a lot of people because they've never really had good financial advice before. They've had advice of people that can only sell one or two different products or one or two assets at most. And they've been pushed towards whatever pays the biggest commission, generally. So it seems like it's a huge leap forward for investing and for the smaller retail investor, but it really isn't. So that's probably the first thing to get across. This is nothing new here. It's just a different way of doing it and kind of a cool way to be fair. Now, the downside is obviously they will, well, it depends on which platform you go for. Some of them will actually tell you exactly which funds they're going to invest in. And as I say, they tend to all invest in ETFs, exchange traded funds. Now, if you wanted to, you could go through that process, find out which ETFs they're going to invest in. You know what percentage they're going to put in each one. You could just go and mirror that yourself. So there's nothing to stop you from copying it without actually using their platform. But I'm guessing if you're looking at something like this to figure out where you should put your money in the first place, you probably can't be asked going and doing all that stuff yourself. Otherwise, you'd probably be easier just to do the research and figure it out for yourself or read my book. So if all it's going to do is tell you what allocation to put in what different asset class and what type of ETF, where is the benefit to that? Well, from a fees point of view, they do tend to be cheaper than some of the other online platforms out there. And because they're using ETFs rather than funds, so there's no fund manager involved, it's just literally a tracker of a market, which is good from a cost point of view. From a downside point of view, you can never beat the market because you are the market. Now, there is a little bit of something called counterparty risk with the fact that you're buying an ETF which doesn't actually own the underlying assets, potentially. It doesn't have to. So there's a little bit of risk there. But to be honest, for most of the stuff that you're going to be looking at investing in, it's not going to be an issue. And if it is, there's probably much bigger issues going on out there for you to worry about. So I wouldn't be overly concerned about that sort of stuff. But as a kind of an example, if you buy a gold ETF, if you pay, I don't know, £50,000 into a gold ETF, you don't actually own £50,000 worth of gold. So if you went knocking and asking for, can I have my 50 grand's worth of gold now, please? They'd laugh for a start, but then you wouldn't get it. So you're putting a lot of faith and trust into the company that is backing that ETF. And for the most part, they're all big, reputable companies, but they can water it down quite a lot. But as I say, probably not going to be that big of an issue. Depends on how paranoid you are about all kinds of stuff, but I, I wouldn't be overly concerned by that personally. Now, is this a good place to get started if you're first looking at investing into, say, an ISA or a pension? I guess if you really can't be bothered reading my book, if you can't be asked listening to the rest of these podcasts, then yeah, fuck it, why not? It's probably better 
than just sticking it into shares. Well, it's definitely better than just sticking it into shares if you don't know what you're doing. There's an argument to say, is it or is it not better than just putting it into, say, a UK tracker or a US tracker, depending on where you're based? That's a little bit hit or miss, but I would put them kind of on the same sort of level. So if you're brand new to investing, you haven't got the time or inclination to do anything, any kind of research, but you don't want to pay a decent chunk of money for a decent financial advisor to give you advice, then yeah, fuck it. Why not? These aren't the worst things in the world. Equally, they're not the best in the world either. So from a performance point of view, as I say, there's not a great deal of data knocking about, but I think in 2017, can't remember who, some website out there, boring money, maybe someone like that, but they did a bit of a performance analysis of some of the robo advisors out there. In 2017, I think the best return was about 12%, which yeah, it's pretty good going. If you compare that to, say, the FTSE 100 over the same time frame, I think from memory, 2017 was about 7.5%. So it's a significant enough increase over the bog standard FTSE 100 for it to be worth a mention. Now that's obviously the best performing of all the robo-investors. I think the worst performing one was basically around that same 7%-ish. So not not the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario would obviously be you lose a shitload of money. So it's kept up with the underlying investment or I guess the alternative investment that you could do. So as I say, if you were just getting started, you could go to one of these robo-advisors and that's probably one step up from just sticking it into a single FTSE 100 tracker or S&P 500 or whatever. But you are putting a lot of faith in a computer program, which hasn't had the test of time yet. Not many of them, like for that 2017 performance review, not many robo-advising companies or robo-funds could actually be included because they hadn't even started in 2017. So it's a very new way to invest, which might work, it might not also. Now, the best performing one was actually a Nutmeg portfolio. And Nutmeg is, I think, by far still the biggest robo fund out there. So if I was going to invest in one myself, I'd probably go with them. Now, people like Wealthify, which I've looked into a little bit, they do have better user experience and user interface and stuff like that. But fuck it, this is money we're talking about. So I'd go for the one that had the first mover advantage. It's backed by, who's it backed by? I can't even remember. Schroders, they're the ones. So they bought a fairly big stake in Nutmeg. And while we're at it, Aviva have put some money into Wealthify, the big insurance company. BlackRock, which is a big investment fund, have put money into Scalable Capital, which is another one. But it's probably worth mentioning that even though these are sort of the new thing out there, the assets under management of them, sort of the tail end of 2017, is still under about £2 billion. Sounds a lot. Hargreaves Lansdowne has £82 billion under management. So a few people have asked, why am I so obsessed with HL? They're the biggest. And while that's not necessarily always a good thing, there's an awful lot of security that comes from having the biggest people out there looking after your money. 
It means they've got access to, I think it's about four and a half thousand different funds, which not every platform allows you to. And so for me, yeah, they're not the cheapest out there by a long way, but I'm comfortable paying a little bit extra. If they were like a shit ton more, I definitely wouldn't use them still, but I'm comfortable paying the premium for what is effectively, I guess, the premium product, the premium investment platform out there. It's not to say it's going to be the right decision for everyone, but meh, I just like them and I can't be asked moving is the honest answer. So what's the point of this? Robo funds, do we like them or not? If you're just starting out and you can't be bothered looking into it, then have a look at Nutmeg. Go and have a poke around their website, see what you think of it. If it was me, I'd answer their questions and maybe answer them a couple of times to see what different outcomes you come up with, to see which portfolios that they'd put you in and look at the details that they give you for that investment strategy. So maybe you answer one set of questions as a super high risk. You've got all the time in the world and you take up bungee jumping on a weekend or whatever. See what portfolio that gives you. And it's going to be predominantly in stocks and shares. That's how they dictate what's high risk and low risk, pretty much. It's how much percentage they put into stocks and shares or equities. I'd then maybe do another round of questions with a slightly more cautious approach, or maybe a realistic one, depending on who you are, and see what difference that makes. And I guess I'd be interested to see how big of a difference being cautious versus being adventurous or risky would look like with some of them. And then I'd probably read my own book, which would be weird. But if I suddenly got amnesia and didn't remember anything I'd written down, I'd read my own book again. And I would use the knowledge from that book, which, yeah, okay, is only just scratching the surface, but it should give you enough to know what's high risk, what's low risk. And I'd just do a bit of a sense check against that or against the funds that they recommend putting you into. Now, if that all sounds too much like hard work, it's not really. Don't worry about it. It's relatively straightforward. But if the answers that you come up with or the portfolio that they recommend sounds about right for you, then yeah, crack on, go for it. The fees with them are about, they're all under about 1%. And I think they do drop depending on how much money you put into them. So if you're just starting out, potentially you've not got a huge sum of money to be playing with. So I would give it a go. I'd leave it for, I wouldn't leave it, but I would invest through that platform for a year or so without paying any attention to it. When you're ready to do a bit more adulting, then you can start playing with a dummy portfolio. Maybe you've read the book after six months. How fucking slow are you at reading? But maybe you've read the book and you've started to implement some of that. You might create your own portfolio that you could almost run a dummy account against and see which one would do better. If you're really bad at it, then maybe the robo people are better than you. Maybe if you're really good at it, you're much better than the robo people. So you can make that call after a while. Once you've figured out how it all works, you've looked into asset allocations and how to actually buy funds, all that good stuff. You might make the decision that actually you can do better than that. So you'll manage it yourself, but at least you've not wasted six months, a year, two years, however long it takes you to get your finger out your ass and actually start taking control of your investments yourself. At least you've had that time in the market. So that's probably what I'd do if I was just getting started. Now, only other thing, I guess, word of caution, as I say, a lot of them are owned or backed by some pretty big companies, but Nutmeg, which has been going the longest, 
and has got the most under management. It's got a billion under management now, I think, or a bit over. Still isn't making a penny of profit. So it costs them an absolute shit ton of money to get an investor in and they don't make that much money off each investor. So there's always the risk that either it goes pop, one day they decide whoever's backing it, who did I say, Schroeder's I think it was, they decide, eh, this isn't worthwhile just throwing money into anymore, we'll just call it a day. Or it could get bought out by somebody else that decides to whack the prices up. Or possibly and more worryingly, Schroeder's are an investment fund or an investment house, so they have their own investments. Maybe they just decide to start sticking all of the money into all of their own stuff. So it becomes less independent. And that would be one thing I check every time they spit out, here are all the ETFs you should put your money into. If they're all the same company, then is it really independent financial advice? I think because it's a robot and it's all online, I don't think they have to meet the same due diligence and all the ethics and all that sort of good stuff that a financial advisor has to do. So that's why I don't think you can just bash in the numbers and press go. You do need to look into it at least a little bit just to see if it's all above board. And then if you're comfortable with it, cool, crack on. But that would just be one thing that I'd be a little bit wary of. I think it's a great way to start and a slow dip your toe into the water type thing. But I would recommend starting to learn a bit more about assets, asset allocation, portfolio theory, all that stuff. And it is all in the book, which is pretty simple to read. I wrote it for exactly. I did write it so it'd be pretty easy to read. And then once you're comfortable with that, you can start managing your own money then. And that's not to say you won't use a robo-investor for at least some of it, or a robo-fund. Keep on calling them investors. It's not like it's got fucking Robocop picking your money for you, is it? But you might use a robo-fund for some of it, and then you might use, say, I don't know, whatever percentage, 50%, 20%, doesn't really matter. You might decide to self-manage that portion of your funds. Because, for example, a lot of these robo-funds won't be able to get into every single asset class. I doubt there's any of them out there that are investing in, for example, cryptocurrencies. Now, if that's not going to be part of your portfolio, fair enough, doesn't make a big difference. If it is, then it's something that you need to take outside of this, whether it's an ISA, whether it's a pension, whether it's just a, a normal investment fund for you, whatever. You still need to have that wider overview of everything that you want to invest in. So... I think that's probably taken us to about the 20 minute mark. Hopefully that answers a couple of questions for you about RoboFunds. But if not, as always, you can join the Facebook group, which is just search Facebook for the EP Investor, or send me an email or do whatever you're supposed to do to get in touch with me. Now, if this was a YouTube video, I'd probably do some kind of robot dance to wave goodbye, but it's not, so you'll just have to imagine it. Ta-ta. So you just survived and hopefully enjoyed the money shot from Damien Fogg. If you just can't help yourself and you want even more, head over to theepinvestor.com forward slash podcast for the show notes, links to whatever shit he just talked about in this episode, possibly some exclusive content about cool finance stuff, and even maybe a free pony. 